0: Take your Bibles. Turn to Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, been uh, preaching some messages on the home and on marriage. And we're uh, we're looking at patterns. Uh, we like patterns. As human beings, we like to have structure, we like to pattern our, our lives uh, after certain practices, and as a large result, we live our lives based on the patterns that we are taught. And if you look outside in the world today, there are a lot of patterns out there. There are a lot of things that we can follow. But are we patterning our life as God's children? If we're saved here this morning, are we patterning our lives after the Word of God? And that is an essential question of today, because there can be a lot of confusion in this area of the family. We're going to be looking at the divine pattern for husbands. We looked at kind of in general uh, for husbands and wives, and then for the children. We did have an overview Wednesday, so I'm going to get more specific um, and uh, deal with uh, the wives and children next week. But just some basic things. And in Genesis chapter 2, whenever we look at patterns that God has given us for marriage and for husband and wives, we see this in uh, Genesis. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2. See two verses there, 18 and 24. Uh, But can I tell you something? Uh, We need to get back to the Bible, amen, Uh, in our churches, because can I just say something here, Uh, if you read books on marriage and books on roles in different things, you can come up with some very interesting ideas. I've been doing research on that, some very interesting uh, ideas about different things, and you know, I love, my wife and I love having discussions about these things, And uh, we talk about these things. I was like, what is this? You know, and I'm going to get into a couple of them today, uh, not in a big way, but I think you know what I'm talking about. There can be some extreme views on marriage within churches. Uh, You know, one extreme is, you know, that men are superior, women are dumb, and they just need to do whatever the husband say. Okay, that's just long and short of that. And that, to be honest, that one is becoming more popular, unfortunately. Uh, But that's not what the Bible reflects. The Bible doesn't reflect that. Uh, and then the other side of it, the other extreme is that, you know, you know the husbands are, are lazy, sniveling, can't lead or make a decision about everything, and the women have to do everything. Uh, that's not right either. So where is the balance? Amen. One of my favorite sayings, there's a balance to all things. And so we're going to look at some patterns today, some general patterns for marriage, and how you start out your marriage is important, uh, the pattern of starting out, the pattern of you raise your children to be married, and then when they are married, they have launched out into life. And in Genesis chapter we see that pattern. Uh, we see, and there's a reason why God gives us specific instructions, because he knows human nature. He created us. He knows our propensities, and He has infinite wisdom. So this morning we're going to look at God's infinite wisdom and look at God's divine patterns for God's divine pattern for husbands. And by the way, I'm just going to tell you something. This is nothing earth shattering today. This is something I've preached many, many times before, but we all need reminders about. I need reminders about it. Uh, so we're in Genesis chapter 2. If we could stand together out of respect for the reading of the Word of God, we're going to read verse 18 and verse number 24. Verse 18, verse number 24. You may recognize verse 18 uh, from Wednesday night, but then we're going to add to it, build. Uh, if you weren't here Wednesday night, go ahead and listen online after today. I'll help give a little bit of context to where we're at right now. But Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. And all the men said, Amen. Right? I will make him and help meet for him. And verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I pray that you will bless our time together in your word. And I pray that you would uh, just give us the wisdom, Lord, that your word has for us today. That we would pattern our marriages, pattern our lives after your instructions. We're thankful, Lord, that you've given them to us. And I pray that we approach your word with balance and with thy spirit in our hearts. I pray your blessing, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I want to express something before I begin here this morning, get a little bit by way of introduction. Uh, we can look at the Word of God and we can see patterns. We can see patterns of authority. Uh, we looked at the chain of command Wednesday night uh, in a family where Christ is the head, then the husband, then the wife, then the children. Uh, the chain of command there. Does that make a wife less uh, inferior to her husband? No, it doesn't. Just the role's different. That's all. Uh, we look at this. Can I just tell you something here? All of these patterns are great, and they're biblical, and we ought to follow them. But if we are missing some essentials, if we are missing a surrender to Christ, if we're missing a life lived for God, if we're missing the compassion of God, if we're missing the humility of Christ and the servant, servant's heart of Christ, if we're missing all of that, none of this is going to work. Because what happens is man takes it and twists it and abuses it, and that's what we see today. A destruction of the biblical roles of husband and wife, of father and mother, and of children. Because that's man's fault, that's not God's fault. Uh, And unfortunately, there has been some erroneous teaching about biblical patterns in years gone by, even recently, there's been some uh, erroneous teaching. But instead of going into what they've all they've taught wrong, I'm just going to go to the Word of God and teach it right. Okay? Uh, amen. So I don't have to sit there and go through all this is right and this is wrong, you know, this is abusive, this is liberal, whatever. We're just going to go to the Word of God and just follow what the book says. Amen? And that's what we're going to do this morning. So we see the first pattern that we see here is that husbands have a wife that is meat for them. God has created, I firmly believe this, I firmly believe that God has created a perfect spouse for you if God would have you be married. Can I just say this? Not everyone is at God's will for them to be married. You know, Paul makes that very clear. He wasn't married. Uh, he said, if, uh, I wish all men were like me because he could go and he could go get beaten and whipped and he didn't have to worry about a wife at home. All right, and he was able to do more for Christ as a single person. But there's nothing wrong with having that desire. It's a God given desire to be married. And if God has given you that desire, God has a perfect spouse for you. I firmly believe that. And if we're following his will and following his way, it doesn't matter. Some people have waited until they're 40 or 45 and gotten married because they waited for that right one. And all the single people are like, oh no. No, we didn't. And by the way, when I was 18, 19, 20, I didn't want to hear that either. Yeah, you because know, you get preachers, get up and say that. It's easy for me to say, I'm married, okay? I understand that. But when you desire that, it's the desire of your heart. I uh, you need to write, wait for the right one. But are you ready to be married? It's a question. And so we see a pattern of leaving and cleaving. Number one this morning, a pattern of leaving and cleaving. And you as you sit back. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why did God give these instructions? It's like, you know, you read through Genesis chapter 2 and you read this and then you get to verse number 24 and you're like, huh, why is that in there? Because remember, God knows us better than we know ourselves, doesn't he? Uh, And this gives a delineation. What is the purpose of this? Is that when someone gets married, they are creating a separate home, a separate household, a separate, here it is, authority structure where a child goes out and is married, and then they are directly under the authority of Christ. And that is why we have this here. But here's the question today. When is my child ready to be married? Okay, here's some instruction here today. Uh, We see, therefore shall a man leave his father, not live in his basement, and his mother... And shall cleave unto his wife. We laugh, you know why? Because we know somebody, right? We know somebody. And shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So let's go this step by step what this means. So, therefore shall a man. Why? Because he has a wife that is help meet for him. That is made to perfectly complement him and her, or him to compliment her. Amen. It doesn't one way street. It's two ways. And we're getting to that with the one flesh. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's look at Matthew chapter 19 if we could. Matthew chapter 19. And Christ gives instruction in this area. Matthew 19 verses 4 through 6. So here are some biblical keys to this pattern. Starting off your marriage right. Now if you didn't start off your marriage this way, is it possible to correct these things? Absolutely yes. Uh, Because There's a reason for this pattern. If I can get to Matthew chapter nine, I'll get there. Matthew or nineteen. I was there. Matthew nineteen, verses four through six this morning. And he answered, said to them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Old transgender debate solved in one verse. That's it, male and female. And he said, and said, for this cause shall a man leave. Father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall they shall twain they twain shall be one flesh. For six, wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. God, marriage is a God ordained institution. It is not man created, it's not culturally created, God created it. Therefore, we looked at you know the sanctity of human life, we see God has created all life, we're all created by God, therefore life has value, because God says that it does, that to kill the innocent, which is the unborn, is wicked, it is murder. That's why we have that standard, that's biblical. Also we see the sanctity of marriage is between a man and a woman for life, that's the plan of God. Now, I understand that there, that doesn't always happen, but it's not God's fault that happens. It's because of the hearts. the Bible says, the hardness of man's heart that happens. Now, we see, what's the first key here? Number one, let's look at verse number four, or verse five. For this God shall man leave, so leaving. So, one can leave his father and mother and have success, a successful marriage when he is ready to take full responsibility for his own decisions and duties. So they're ready to do that. Notice this is not a requirement for the wife, though it's helpful, okay? Uh, it's, It's helpful to know how to go to the grocery store, know how to shop for something, and helpful to know how to cook and different things like that. All right, there's that side of it. But we're talking about leadership here. So far as that, so is your son ready to be married? Well, here's a question. Can he take full responsibility for his own decisions and duties, or do you still have to do things for him? Well... How can he leave unless he knows how to live life? Amen. If he don't know how to live life, he doesn't know how to get an apartment, doesn't know how to get a job, doesn't know how to drive, doesn't know how to save his money, doesn't know how to pay bills, doesn't know how to go down to the DMV and register his car, you're not ready to get married. Because that's living life guess what nobody my dad did not go I'm gonna take you down to get an apartment my mom and my dad did not show me apartment listings they showed me nothing he said go find something and don't ask me for any money and my mom's like honey he can we can help him with the deposit he's like no if he needs to provide his own apartment in his own and guess what it was a week before I was married I didn't have an apartment yet And I was looking because I was poor and I didn't have a lot of money. And I was just, I couldn't find. But guess what? I did find one. And I was able to get it on my own. And my dad said, I'm not co-signing on an apartment for you either. Got to find one. They'll take you. And my mom's over here, honey. You know, he's like, no, he's a man. He can figure it out. And you know what? I'm thankful for that. And guess what? It would have been real easy for them to come in and just do that for me because my dad is saying if you're not ready to do that, then skip getting married. You're not ready. Now the older generations like, yeah, that's kind of accepted, but that's not what's going on today. Gen Z is having issues. My generation's having issues. Okay? You know, they're 35, 40 years old. They're still living with their parents in the back You know, they've been married for 10 years, and they're living in the house out back. Then we also have this family compound living thing that's all lived together on the compound, together. If you want to do that, that's fine. I just find it kind of weird. Okay, I understand that's the way things used to be back in the day. I don't want to live with my brothers and sisters on a compound. I'm sorry. You know, I don't want to do that. I'm glad to see them two or three times a year. That's fine, you know, and sometimes... So they are ready to leave when they have no emotional bondage with their parents. What does that mean? Well, they have to ask mom or dad before making any decision. Does that mean you shouldn't ask them for advice? No, go ahead and do that. Praise God. We talked about wisdom in Sunday school. But you can't make a basic decision without asking mom or dad or texting them or calling them. Then you're not ready to get married. But then they ask and they just do whatever their parents tell them. Here's another one, comparing your wife to your mother. Well, my mom doesn't do that. Big mistake. You don't cook like my mom. You know, one of my big things was, I'll never forget, I think we were married like in less than a year, and I said this fateful time. She was making box macaroni and craft macaroni and trees. okay? And I said this one phrase. Well, my mom doesn't make it like that. What do you mean your mother doesn't make it that way? I, I just, all I said, and that took about two hours to resolve, okay? I learned, don't ever say that again. Don't compare your wife to your mother. You don't cook as good as my mom. You know what they, you know what they say? No one cooks it like mom, except when you're married. Your wife cooks better than your mother. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. Amen. Amen. You know, I have to say, you know, Mrs. Hammonds, when you cook things, I have to be careful, you know. <laughs> this is wonderful. This is, this is great. I can't say it's the best I ever had sometimes. No, but, no, but uh, you have the best roles. Because my, my wife said it first. So, that, so that's what we, I've got to be careful with that. There has to be an emotional break between the man and his parents. It doesn't always have to be with mom. It can even be with dad, too. And a woman and her parents. The man must be willing to assume full financial responsibility. First, first Timothy 5.8, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So a young person needs to be ready to leave home when he gets married. Needs to have a job. Needs to be able to have a place to live. Not live in a tent. Not live in the shelter. But have a place to live. If he doesn't have it, not ready to get married yet. So it ha- So need to leave. You know, and mom and dad, and you'd be encouraging that because sometimes kids are like, well, do I really have to leave? Yes, you're leaving. And even when I graduated college, my dad told me this simply, you know what, because my dad understood boys because he is one of 10 boys Okay, so he understands they all had to, and guess what? They all went in the army except my dad when they're like 17 years old. They all had jobs. My dad started working, he had his own business at 14. Is it well why? Because I had to. You know, when you live in the projects in Utica, New York, that's what you gotta do. When your dad's drunk and left home, and your mom's working three jobs trying to raise ten kids. You know, and without welfare, would not take welfare, wouldn't do it, was too proud of a woman and worked hard, never met her, wish I had, but, you know, raised a wonderful family and worked hard and taught her children to work hard. There wasn't any of her children that were lazy. And in that, what did my dad teach me? And my dad taught all of us to work hard. My mom knew how to work hard. It seems like the last couple generations knew how to work hard. You know why? They had to. There wasn't all the conveniences we have today. If you didn't work, you didn't have a place to live and you didn't have a place to eat. Now, if you don't work, you get paid more to stay home and collect unemployment than to work a job. You know, some places in Texas, you, know, you still get paid eight, nine bucks an hour. You can't live on eight to nine dollars an hour. Unless you want to live in a very dangerous place. People work two and three jobs. I'm not discounting that there are people that still work hard. There are. But we need to make sure that our kids are ready to do that. Not only leave, but there's the next part of it. It teaches to cleave. That's a word we don't use very much anymore. But what does cleave mean? Let's look back at Genesis chapter 2 shall leave his father and his mother, God, and his mother, his father and his mother, both, and shall cleave unto his wife. Clean, cleave means to be joined together, to adhere, to bond yourself, not just some people use the idea of glue, but is to have like a, that chemical bond, two lives becoming one to bond together. Couples are ready to cleave to each other and are free to have a successful marriage when there are no emotional bonds to the parents. Because if your emotional bond is still to your parents and you have to have that security blanket, they used to call it hanging on to mama's apron strings, and they still have that, they're not going to be able to fully depend and attach to their wife and vice versa. If, if, uh, if If the wife is so... Uh, connected to dad and need to have dad approve everything, guess what? She's not going to turn her heart and cleave fully to her husband. God has a reason for this. And what does it cause? It'll always cause what? Conflict. The husband says, you never listen to me. You always call your dad and listen to him, but you I say the same thing. You won't take it from me. Right? You ever heard that sound familiar? Or, you know, what? you always ask your mom about everything. Why don't you just listen to me? You always have to go and ask your mom. Your mom has to do everything for you. I do the same thing, but why won't you take it from me, but you take it from her? That causes problems? Oh, yes. It causes conflicts. And that's not how God wants a marriage to start out. It will interfere with this process. They need to be free to cleave to each other. You know, ever, you know can I just give you a hint, mom and dad, whenever they get married, don't stop by unannounced. You know, you see them two times. You know, two times a day. You see them in the morning. Oh, I just want to say hi in the morning. Say hi in the evening. And different things. Ever have your mom come visit? And I never forget my mom and dad. They came and visited us when we first got there. And they came it was about thirty minutes. And my mom wanted to stay. My dad said, "Let's go, let's go." They want to be alone. You know, my dad just like open. Oh, they need to be alone. Well, honey, he goes, "Nope, I'm leaving. I'll sit out in the car. You can come, honey. When when you're done, I'm sitting out in the car." and uh, out he went, and, and, and uh, mom's like, well, okay, well, well, we'll see you tomorrow, right, dad's like, nope, we're not going to see you tomorrow, we'll see you on Sunday, which is like in three days, you know, because <laughs> my mom wanted to be right there, my dad's like, nope, they need their space, I'm like, dad, thank you, no, <laughs> right, and that's what needs, we got to be careful with that, because, you know, my, I was the baby, and it was hard for my mom, I was very, very. I was the baby. You know, my wife was the baby. You know, it was hard. It was it was hard for Pastor Harvey, a little bit at, <laughs> at the beginning there. But you know, because because my wife is is her baby girl, and so is his baby girl. So we have to be careful with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You love your kids, Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. But no, there has to be boundaries placed. A pattern of boundaries, and we have because if you don't set those boundaries then there's going to be conflict. And you don't want that. You don't want conflict between husband and wife. You don't want conflict between both sets of parents. Uh, Husbands and wives cleave uh, when they are adjusting to each other, okay? When you begin living with somebody new, you know, with your marriage, you're like, oh, this is so wonderful. This is going to be great. There is an adjustment period having to live with somebody, right? And as it can be some good adjustments, also some things you didn't expect, You know what? Your wife, of all people, you never thought women ever left the cap off the toothpaste. But she does it, you know, and then there's the debate that still goes on in her house. Which way do you put the toilet paper roll, right? Do you do it out or do it in? I don't care. I just put it on there. My wife says, it's got to go a certain way, okay? How many out people out there? Right? How many in people out there? How many? I really don't care. Both. There we go. Okay. You know. But notice, only one of you raised both your hands. The other person, other spouse, cares. Which way it goes? And you want to keep your spouse happy, so put it the way they ask. So, I try to remember. I don't. Was it? Was it the out one? Is that the way you want? Out. That's out. Okay. I say I forget, and then she asked me, please put it out, and all right, anyway, but husbands and wives, they cleave and adjust, and this process takes time, look at Deuteronomy 24 verse 5, Deuteronomy 24, 5, there's a reason why in this, God gave instructions to those that would go out to war, if they take a new wife, and this is very, very important, uh, it's been Pastor Harvey's. Uh, stands for many many years and why because it's biblical that if you're going to get married and going to get deployed directly get married when you get back because it's not right because when a husband and wife are to come together and start to cleave to one another and then he goes away for 18 months that's going to detrimentally affect that process And Deuteronomy 24, 5, When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business that he would need to go away for, but he shall be free at home one year, and shall cheer up his wife, which he hath taken. What's this talking about? It's talking about the cleaving process, bonding together, becoming one life together, because it can cause lasting marital problems if it does happen. And... Then we come to the last part here, becoming one flesh. It said, becoming one flesh, and they shall be one flesh. And uh, this is not just talking about intimacy that is part of it, but there's much, much more to that. It is two lives becoming one. I've unfortunately heard a lot of preachers, a lot of people, a lot of books, that's all they have only focus on, the physical part. They don't focus on the mental, emotional, spiritual part of it, which is what God's talking about here. Amen. Because the other part, we know about. And we don't have any problem with those things. But this is the coming together, two lives coming together, uh, of two wills. Think of it like a triangle. You have a will of a husband, the will of a wife at the top. But they're each in submission to Christ. The desire and the direction of life is two coming together. That is very important. Two coming together, going in the same direction. Uh, We have... Uh, husband and wife are to complement each other, uh, whether it be in uh, one has logic, one has emotion. Many times that's women. Sometimes that, or Many times that's men with logic, women with emotions, right? Sometimes that's opposite, though. There are, uh, are, there are exceptions to the rule where women are much more cool, calm, and collected in an emergency than a man is. But either case, they will complement each other. They become one. The weakness of one is the strength of the other, and it keeps everybody balanced together. That's why the people, you know, ever wonder why I so, well, we're polar opposites. You know, oh, that must not going to work. But the world, what does the world say? Oh, you must be exactly alike. You know, people marry themselves. So what does that mean? They marry people just like them. And you know what? Those people have lots of issues. Because that person, they are getting annoyed and on each other's nerves, but pull opposites. What's going to happen is that they have different traits and they complement each other. But at the end of the day, you don't base who you marry off based off a personality profile. Amen. Because I'm sorry, they didn't have those 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. What'd they do? Is this the will of God? Amen. And that's what it comes down to, becoming one flesh, two lives coming together. It is not the will of God for the husband to live a life and the wife to live a life, and they are just two different people, two different lives living in the same house. Each has their job, each has their priorities, each has their, many times their own child that prefers one or the other. Or two children on one side, one on the other, or all on the other side. They have their own children that prefer them, and there's nothing together about that. There's no two lives coming together. There's no common direction. There's no common spiritual direction. There's no common anything. They're just living, basically just, they're married, they're living together, living two separate lives. That's not the will of God. The will of God is two people coming together. That's the pattern of leaving and cleaving, to leave home, to leave the support of mom and dad and go and stand, as they say, stand on your own two feet, but also stand in, the, in submission to God and serve and to love God. And if you love God and you serve God, then you're going to love and serve your spouse. And That's what we're going to get into. So that brings us to the pattern for husbands. Number two, the pattern of leadership. Notice here who's being asked to go out and to leave and to cleave and to become one flesh and to take the steps forward. Who is the one that's supposed to propose? The guy is supposed to propose, okay? It is the man that goes out and what? Seeks for a wife. That is biblical principle. Going out, he looks and seeks, and God brings that right person to them. That is a pattern of leadership. And like, well, what if, I, what if I proposed to my husband and he said yes? I'm not saying that's, like, you're wrong, that's right, but we're saying, but that's the pattern we're given. Men lead going forward. Do women lead in their ways? Absolutely, yes. They should. But we see spiritually. What is the pattern of leadership spiritually in the home is to protect against fault, Bad spirit in the house, which is the spirit of the devil wishing to come in and destroy your marriage and your home, you're to protect against that and to lead spiritually by providing. They said, Well, what do we mean by providing? We know we provide physically, you know, provide money, but you're to provide spiritual leadership in going to church, in family devotions, amen, in prayer. Husbands, your job is to lead in that amen and to have a time of prayer with your wife to have a time of Bible study with your wife and to have spiritual discussions and to make spiritual decisions to lead going forward and do and by the spiritual decision well honey I've been praying about some things here's what we're doing you now we're going to do this this and this just want to let you know inform you and here we go uh, it would be advisable to sit down you know the Lord's been speaking to me you know every single time this happens when uh, uh, I am not in favor of the teaching that uh, God only speaks to the husband, and the wife, and the husband is God's voice to the wife. That's not I'm, in my personal experience in being married. That's not how it works. When God's speaking to me, He's speaking to her too. Because there's something wrong with that. Because that discounts the priesthood of all believers. And that God, we're individually accountable to God. And that God speaks to both of us. We're together. And God spoke to me. You know what that does to my heart? Well, God's been speaking about that too. I'm like, praise the Lord. That confirms it in my heart. And I confirmed it in hers. And it was just amazing that those type of things happen. I was praying about this. Why, how would you know? I was praying about this too. And the Lord was speaking to me about this. And you know what? That just confirms it's of the Lord. Amen. And that's a husband and a wife. But husbands, you need to lead those discussions. You need to come forward, but then your wife will come to you about some things. But spiritually leading and spiritually protecting the family, physically protecting the family. I'm sorry, when someone's knocking at the door with a baseball bat, it's your job to take care of it. You know, up in the middle of the night, you know, you hear something, you're scared in bed, you send your wife, right? No, no it's your job to do that. That's why we have guns. Oh. It's a tool like any other. Amen. Financially, to provide. That's your job. It never says anywhere in the Bible that's the wife's job to provide all the money for the family, except the opposite that the husband is to provide for the family. And the wife is to provide the atmosphere and the functionality of the home, of raising of children. And we're going to get into that more next week. Now, is it wrong? said, now it's wrong, you know, for women to earn money with at-home businesses. Is that wrong? No. As long as it doesn't take away from the primary responsibility to the husband and to the children. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, what is the virtuous woman? That she buys and sells and she trades. But she takes care of her household in doing that there's a pattern there but it's the main job i'm sorry the the chunk of the change that comes home provides for the family is the husband's job well we want to live here it is this is the culture we want to live at a different level though you know we can't have the dream house and she's got to work 60 hours a week i got to work 60 hours a week in order for us to have the dream home you know just ask you something what happens to the kids not good things It's not about what level of living you want to be at. It's not how big of the house, how nice of the car, what the toys you want. Because if you're living for that, then you're living for the love of money, which the Bible says is the root of all evil. And say, well, I have to be financially stable. Here's the definition of financially stable. You earn money, you live within those bounds. That's financially stable. That's what it is. And you live inside of that. And you do what you need to do. You don't. Well, I want to have, I have an expectation of financial stability. If you have earned a job God's given you and it's a balanced work schedule and it's time time with your family, you have time for the Lord, you have time for ministering in the church and you can pay your bills and you can live in a house that doesn't leak and isn't going to fall over and your car is in a smoking heap on the side of the road, then be thankful. And living within that, well, I must have a car that's newer than three years old. I must have a car that's newer than four years old. Does that say that in the Bible? What it said, with food and rent. It doesn't even say a house. Let us therewith be what? Content. It doesn't have a provision here for the motor car. It doesn't say thou shalt have two donkeys. It doesn't say that. Those are perks. We have a pattern of leadership. And also provide the lead financially and to lead what emotionally to protect protect your wife protect yourself from emotional temptation and protect your wife from uh how we protect that how we respond to situations because men we can tend to be very direct to the point and hurt people's feelings you need to protect your wife's feelings and how you express yourself so number three a pattern of submission and i'm done Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. How does this all work? How does this pattern, leaving and cleaving and all of these things, how do we have, we need to have a pattern of submission? You know, how are we to submit as men? Well, I'm the leader. I'm not supposed to submit to anything. Well, let's look at Romans chapter 12. We're to submit to Christ because Christ is the head. And Christ gives us a pattern of servanthood. Men, we're, yes, the leaders of our family, but leaders serve. We're the servants to our family. We're a servant to our wife. We're a servant to our children and meet their needs. Romans 12, verse one to. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Can I pause here for a moment? You're never going to be the Christian you need to be. You're never going to be the husband you need to be. You're never going to be the father you need to be. You're never going to be the wife you need to be or the mother you need to be or whatever God needs you to be. You're not going to be that unless this happens. Because what it is is submission of my will, my desires, my knowledge. I'm submitting to your leadership, Lord. I'm submitting to Christ's leadership, His wisdom, His knowledge. Whatever He leads me to do, I will do. Even if it seems a little crazy. Even if it goes against the grain. By the way, it's going to go against the grain of what we hear and what we know in the outside world. But can I tell you something? Does the world haven't figured out? The world doesn't seem too happy right now. But we can have happiness and joy in our marriages if we are submitted to Christ. And the pattern of submission, if you're to lead in that, we need to lead spiritually. We need to lead in submission. Well, she needs to submit to me first. I'm sorry, that's not a Christ like attitude. It's not. Be someone worthy of being submitted to. I preach that all the time. Some of these guys are like, well, <laughs> You know, that's right, I'm the husband, I'm in charge, and I can do that, and you know, she just has to sit there and take it. Well, I'm sorry, uh, that's not biblical, that's not of, of God. That's the world's version of it. That's the world's twisting of it. That's not how my, my house runs. Amen. I love my wife, but can I tell you something? She's like, so, she wouldn't take that. And you know what? I'm glad she wouldn't let me be an idiot. Amen? And there have been times I've been an idiot. As all men, we've all been there, right? You're like, well, I'm a, I'm a man, right? And our wives let us know, yes, you're a man, but also I'm a person too. And then we realize what? We're not being submitted to Christ, By the way, ladies, it's not unbiblical to speak up and say, what you're doing is hurting me. It is hurting. Your leadership is damaging me. It's not wrong to say something and express that and have a voice in your marriage. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. You do it in the right way. Not the screaming and yelling and hooting and hollering. Amen. That's not of God. But to express, this is injuring me. Because that brings a pattern of submission, 1 Corinthians 7.3. All right, gentlemen, this is important that you need a pattern of submission to your wife's needs. Your wife's going to have needs. And you need to be submitted to that and to provide for those needs. 1 Corinthians 7.3, let the husband render unto the wife, do what? Benevolence, what does that mean? Well, you say love, but that is not just love, it's actions, and likewise, also the wife unto the husband. Loving each other, caring for each other, meeting needs, and you need to be submitted to that. It's not what I can get out of the marriage, Is what, what can you do for your wife. Amen. And in that pattern of submission, you need to be witness your wife's needs. And this is important. Uh, there's no such thing as women's work. Amen. There's some young men out there. Well, that's women's work. Mom, isn't that your job to clean the table and do all those things and wipe? Isn't that your job? No, it's whoever's job it needs to be get done. Amen. I've got four boys. We have to wipe the t- They wipe the table. They sweep the floor. And they're like, well, what do they want? They want to go play. And you know what? There's too many men that are still like that. They want to go play their video game. They want to go play on their... Uh, and do their sports. They want to play uh, and watch their television. They want to play. You used to be sitting down and read the newspaper. You know what? There's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with those, some of those things in and out of that. But, hey, all right, you, know, you leave the table, your family leaves it a mess, and it's your wife's solitary job just to clean everything up and just not have any help. When she is dead tired, she's sick, she's been throwing up, or something else has been going on, and she's sitting there half dead, and then, oh, you need to clean that up too. I'm sorry. That's not meeting your wife's needs. But that's not cultural inside in conservative churches in the last 20, 30 years. That's not popular. Well, that's her job, to be a keeper at home, yes, but also a, job, a husband's job is to give her due benevolence. Help her load that dishwasher. Say, honey, you don't need to do that. Let me, let me wash those dishes for you. Let me, let me wipe that table for her. Why don't you, hey, guys, you know, let's all work together. Mom, you go sit down in the living room and sit down and rest, and we're going to clean up tonight. Amen. That's taking care of the needs of somebody else and putting their needs above yours. Husband, that's your job to lead in that. And teach your children to do that. And guess what? Their wives will thank them one day. But what has happened? We have patterns and patterns and patterns. I've been passed down, passed down, passed down, passed down. Well, my dad never did that. Or my mom never did this. My dad never did this. My mom did this. You know what? We don't pattern it, but we do teach our children through our marriages what they should do. And if our marriages aren't set up right, guess what? They're not going to marry and have the proper patterns in marriage either. And you sit back and like, why are they doing that? Well, did you? Well, yeah. So that's why it's extremely important that we have the proper patterns in our marriages because we're teaching them to our children. And there might be some patterns that you need to break that are wrong, that are unbiblical, because all of us have those. A pattern of submission to Christ, and then in that you'll be a servant to your wife's needs and to take care of his wife and to cherish his wife. Amen. She is the weaker vessel. Ladies, don't take offense at that. That means that you're valuable. Amen. God made you that way for a reason. You know why? As if you could just be one of the boys and be as strong as the boys and everything as the boys, then why would a man cherish you? That's the way God designed it. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is. the world says there's something wrong with that. Well, the women have to hit harder and run as hard and talk as nasty and be just like a man. I'm sorry. I don't want to marry a man. I want to marry a woman. Amen. Amen? And that's how God made it. And if I want to marry a man, that's unnatural. So, ladies, don't make yourself something unnatural because the world says to do it. Also, gentlemen, the world says that you need to be sitting there wearing your skinny jeans and and be all the feminine. And I'm I'm trying not to light into it, but you know, wear your skinny jeans. And a lot of these guys coming out of these Christian college wearing these skinny jeans or the cool little haircut and everything. I said, man, I'd love to get you in the woods and cut down some trees with your bare hands. <laughs> I love to do that. I would love to see how what you do with those skinny jeans trying to pick up an 80 pound log. I would like to see what happens then. He goes, you know what, that's being a man. Oh, what did you do growing up? Oh, we cut wood. I was splitting wood at 13 years old. You know what, what did you do? You know, we had an ice storm. We had to cut down trees. Like, oh, I never forget. One person in color is like, why did you have to do that? Why did your parents have you do that in January? Why did you do that? So we could survive. How, How about that? We didn't want to freeze to death. We didn't have power for three weeks. And, you know, the city people, how did you go to the bathroom? You put snow in the toilet, let it melt. Okay, that's what we did, you know. What did you do for water? Snow is water, you know. And uh, when my dad got a generator, and, and we were able to run the well and things. Did that for three weeks, and we did homeschool by candlelight. And we thought we were going to get three weeks off. Nope. We got like two days Said, so, well, why did your mom make you do school? We would have driven her insane if we didn't have school to do, <laughs> right? You know. Now I understand. I have four boys, about to have a girl in the summertime, and like, please, school, come right now, so we can do school. <laughs> they have something to do, right? Some of you parents are looking forward to even homeschool. I mean, we. Um, Was it every homeschool family? Oh, it's done. And then you get two weeks in. I want it to come back, right? I want it to come back. I want school to come back. But in all seriousness, what pattern are we following? Are we following a pattern of what our culture says or what our families have taught us or what the Bible says? Well, the men in our family have always done it this way. Well, that's why we look at the Scripture as a pattern to obey. And are we submitted to Christ? Are there some things? And there can be some very deep-seated things that that we are sure that we're supposed to do and can be very much rooted in our pride and our ego. Can I just say something? But that's not God. That's not Christ. Are you ready to get married? Are you ready to live life on your own? Or if you got dropped off on a street corner somewhere, would you have to call the police, call your mom and dad? Ah, I don't know what to do. Or are you able to live life on your own? If you're not, by the way, ladies, if you married somebody that you have to do everything for them, you know what's going to happen. You're going to always have to do those things for them. Well, I just want them to grow up and be a man and stop doing those things for them. Let the bill be late and let the satellite TV get turned off. He'll make sure it gets paid next month. Amen? So, well, I need you to pay the bills. Oh, I'll get to it. Okay, well, you know, oh, look at that, honey. The repo truck's out there. I guess you missed the the car payment. It's a pastor, that that isn't very nice. Well, he'll never forget again. Amen. We have to do that sometimes. But I can tell you this. It's much better just to marry somebody that has it all figured out, and if they don't have it figured out, don't marry them. Amen. And parents are saying, hallelujah, yes, thank you, pastor. You know why? Because our generation doesn't think that way. My mom asked me, she so says, oh, this girl, you know, does she know how to take care of a home? Does she know how to cook? He said, oh, yes, yeah. oh, good. You know, my mom never said anything bad about my wife. She always loved my wife. And even before I realized I was supposed to marry, she knew I was supposed to marry. You know why? Because she could pick you out and see this is the person my, what my son needs. Because she knew I need a lot of help. <laughs> You're not supposed to say amen, dear. No, you know, she didn't. But <coughs> But I admit that. I, it's not good for man to be alone. I was alone. I was a mess. You know, I say all the time, honey, if something ever happened to you, I'd be eating SpaghettiOs and Hot Pockets and, and things. You know, and I, I, you know, I think sometimes like if my, you know, if my wife ever, something happened to her and I had to raise all these kids all by myself, I just my brain just shuts down because like, I can't think <laughs> because I don't know what I would do, you know? Uh, you know, and all of these things. And you know what also, you know what my mom taught me to do? I know how to do my own laundry. 14 years old. My, her parents ran a laundromat for a while. And she goes, because I, I always carried the, we'd always have to carry our own laundry down. My mom didn't carry the laundry. We had to take our own laundry down there to the, to the wash and the dryer. She said, I'm going to teach you how to put it in there. I thought it was great. And then I thought it was great the first few times. And then after that, my, my mom most time did, but she said, hey, can you throw a load in? Oh, mom, you know. And then you know what? She taught me how to iron my clothes. My wife still does a better job. Taught me how to use starch, and that I actually taught my wife how to use starch because she didn't know how. She was afraid to do it because she did it one time and made you know, the, all the flaky stuff all over your clothes. You know, some of you are like, "What is that?" All right, anyway, but you know, use starch. You know, starch your collars and different things like that. Uh, my my mom taught me how to do all those things. How to go pay a bill. How to go and get a bank account. How to register my car. Go do it. So when I got married, I wasn't worried about anything. I was like, I, I know I had worked a job, I had money, and this—I I was ready. Those things weren't an issue for me. I wasn't stressed, <laughs> having a panic attack, having to get the bag out because I had to go to the Social Security office and change my wife's Social Security card. <laughs> you know what do I do? A lot of Gen Z does that. Why? Because mom and dad haven't prepared them for life. It's our job to train them to be ready for life. Amen. And so I've trained my sons with that in mind, preparing them for life to come. Train your daughters for life. Your sons for life. Amen. So that when they get to be 18, 19 years old, they can function in society. Because we have even kids coming into Christian colleges. I mean, they they sit there and they shut down and they cry and they have their blanket and they can't function. They've never been away from mom and dad ever in their life. How in the world are we going to take the world back for Christ? With young people that don't even know how to do basic things. Let's make sure we train them to serve the Lord. Train, Train them to leave and to cleave so they can be a family unit that God can use for his glory. Let's follow God's pattern. Let's pray.